Miss Rebecca, how are you doing? Good, how are you? Doing very good. So, what do you do at the jar? Well, the short version is I deal with all of the little hooligans that are ages six weeks to fifth grade. Yeah. I get to hang out with them and help them kind of grow in their faith and figure out what their faith really is. Jar kids coordinator or director? I always director. Director. What is the difference between a coordinator and a director? Yep. Yep. All right. Same as you think. Okay. Well, what's new in the life of Rebecca? Not really all that much. I have a new baby. Well, that's something new. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty big thing. It's not really a little thing, but I mean, it is little. It's kind of a little, yeah. He's little, but. Well, how's uh, how's Biggie Smalls? He's good. Yeah. He's a basically a baby toddler. Um, we had his appointment, and he weighs there's less than ten pounds between him and my two year old, and he's four months old. So yeah, well, he's a giant. Yeah. He's a toddler. You call him uh, Andre. We call him the Hulk. Okay. Do you understand Andre yes, the Giant? Okay. Andre the Giant. All right. Well, you just move past that quick. <laughs> but. <laughs> Wanted to make sure that 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 you knew it really stuck. I yeah, I know yeah, my no. wrestlers and I know my people. <laughs> you know your wrestlers. Okay, so who else besides Andre uh, the Giant? You know? Ric Flair. Oh well, if you know Chris, then you know Ric Flair. But yeah, but the other day in staff meeting, Chris asked who Ric Flair was. All right, let's just do like four or five. <laughs> let's do do four or five. Um, do you know who Eugene is? Eugene, the wrestler. Yeah. No, Eugene what? That's literally his wrestling name. He only Eugene. goes by Eugene. Yeah. Nah, I, I think you're making that up. I don't think that's real. I think we could Google it right now. All right. Let's name some more. Um. And I'm going to look up Eugene while you're doing Dusty that. Dusty Rhodes. Okay. Do you know who that is? I'm, I'm taking a word for it. That's two. Okay, the ultimate warrior. What, what, what age is this? <laughs> <laughs> You really don't believe me? No, I don't. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. It says Eugene was an American wrestler. Uh, yeah. 1996. His special move is that he <laughs> copies other people's <laughs> special moves. <laughs> known, uh, known by his World Wrestling Entertainment ring name, Eugene. Nicholas David <laughs> Dinsmore. <laughs> what a stupid name. <laughs> I mean, not... Not Nicholas David Dinsmore, but he goes by Eugene. Eugene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it just doesn't seem it's like it's like Kyle or Keith. I know. You really thought I was making it up. Yeah, I did. He's really I one did. of my favorite wrestlers. Why would he go by Eugene? It's like, uh, listen, Dinsmore, we, we need a name. Oh, that doesn't make any sense. I thought you were going to say something like Big Show, Undertaker. No. Gold Dust. No. Yeah. Right. They're too well known. I gotta stick with my good old homie Eugene. I would, yeah. Absolutely. Whenever we do wrestling video games in my house, like I always go for Eugene. Man, that was like, that, yeah, WWE. So, man, that yeah. Did you watch wrestling as a kid? No, it didn't come into my life until I got married. Jeremy really like his fam, like him and his brothers are really into like the wrestling things. Like when they were kids, they would put all of like the cushions on the floor in their living room, like, when their mom went to the store, and they would, like, act out WWE. They would, like, do the different signature moves on each other. Would they act it out, or would they just, like, actually be upset at each other and just 
Oh, no, they would act it out. Okay, so they weren't actually, like, fighting. No, anything. and they still do it to this day. How, how old are they? <laughs> well, Jeremy's the middle, so he's 26. Mm-hmm. His younger brother's 24, and his older brother, I think, is, like, 28, 29. Wow. Yeah. yeah it's good. Yeah. Have you, what is that, like, uh, the movie with Vince Vaughn or Reese Witherspoon? Uh, it's, like, Four Christmases? Yeah. So it's like that? Like, uh-huh. like well, mm-hmm. they're, they're, like, you have, like, MMA fighters, though, so. Yeah. No, they just do wrestling moves on each other all the time. So do they do that when, like, they all get together for events? They're like, oh, okay, guys, let's put the pillows down. Let's get. Oh, uh, we don't we don't even do pillows anymore. We just right. go hardwood floors. Hardwood floors. Well, yeah. it's easier to clean up that way, though. Yeah. I mean, it's not. Jeremy does it at our house, too. Like, I'll yeah. be walking through the kitchen, and he'll put me in a chokehold or master lock or. He does a lot of Batista bombs to William on the beanbag. Your child. Yes, yeah. my two-year-old. Gotcha. So is this, like, a, a well-known thing, or is this only a thing that, like, like inside, like, people in the inner circle know of your husband? Because I have maybe ever heard him say four words. Oh, yeah. So I would say... Actually, maybe two, because I think it was like, hey, how are you doing? Good. And I think that's what I got. Yeah. So. I mean, it probably took him four months into knowing him for him to do his first wrestling move on me. So, <laughs> it's weird as that sounds. So if you stick around and get to know him for four months, you're probably guaranteed a wrestling move. Oh, wow. Okay, all right. But, like, I met his brothers for the first time, and it was like they walked in and they, like, plowed him over. Oh, so uh, that was going to be my next question. Like, who is there, like, a like an alpha, like a dominant? No. No? Actually, Jeremy probably is the one that does the most. He's, like, an instigator. <laughs> he, like, has all this, yeah. like, build-up rage. Because yeah. like, he's so quiet, he, like, just takes it from Well, everyone. and that's the problem, is he's so quiet. <laughs> you don't even see him coming. He just, like, comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Or he's the instigator where he'll, like, go over to someone and be like, yo, so-and-so just did this. Like, it was like a thing, like last Thanksgiving, he came downstairs and him and his younger brother were upstairs and he went around to every single person and was like, Andrew fell in the shower. You should go ask him if he's okay. He's really upset about it. And so like literally all of us were like, Andrew, are you okay? And Andrew's like, I didn't fall. It didn't happen. What? But Jeremy told everyone this and everyone believed Jeremy. Jeremy is... Is that instigator or, or is, is yeah. that instigation or is that like psychotic? Well, probably both. <laughs> probably. That's awesome. I have uh, I have wait like so much material now. Next time I see him, I'm gonna just ask yeah. him about a lot of different. This things. Thanksgiving, he got uh, Marshall cut him on his forehead, uh-huh. and he like went Marshall over. Marshall finally did the Batista ball. Yeah, to him. To him. Like, this is what it's like, Daddy. Yeah, and so he like went around to everyone, and he's like, especially like our like Jeremy's grandma. He went over, and he's like, Grandma Andrew cut me on my forehead. And it really hurt. And she, like, turned around and she's like, Andrew, why did you do that? And he's like, I didn't do anything. And Jeremy just, like, walked away with, like, this, like, perfect smile of, like, smug, like, I got you. Oh, man. But that's how he is. He's, like, a silent but deadly, like, mm-hmm. he knows how to instigate. Yeah. Yeah, he's like the... It's that middle child. I bet he would be great to play that game Among Us with. The one where, like, one of you are is, like, a yeah. killer. I bet he'd be good. He's like, no, I bet he'd be really good friends, at it. I am a... He's like, I didn't even know how to play. Yeah, yeah, I barely even know how to play. And he's, like, deucing everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I bet he would be good at it. Do you guys play that? I did for a while. 
He won. wouldn't. <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe he was playing, and I didn't like, know. Every time he could, like go to the bathroom, he's playing. And he's like, yeah. "Oh, I don't even, I don't want to touch that." He's like, drooling and telling me, "Jeremy, you spend twenty minutes in the bathroom. What are you doing? I'll be out in a minute." He probably does. Like he's yeah. probably the person that was killing me all the time. He probably has like the, like the highest record. Yeah. He's like on the leaderboard for Among Us. That's where all of his paychecks come every yeah. month is from like Among Us ads. Like he's just making too much money. Yeah. He's like he. You should check like your like your what is that like under the house like the. It's like the crawl space. The crawl space. They're probably like just duct tape <laughs> duct tape bills. Like he has millions of dollars where he's been stashing them. So anyway, uh, so back to you. <laughs> back to you. <laughs> How did you guys even meet? How did you and your husband meet? Oh. WrestleMania uh, 2001. Well, no. <laughs> Anderson University. Close. Yeah. Right. <laughs> amateur wrestling is an amateur wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you used to bomb somebody. Oh, gosh. How did we meet? Yep. Um. Well... So, we both went to AU, mm-hmm. and AU did these things called SOAR, because they were the Ravens, so they were trying to be catchy. Yeah. And so, it was SOAR, which was like your pre-freshman orientation, like you had your freshman orientation that you did when you started freshman year, but this is where you went and you like saw the campus, you did placement exams if you were trying to test out of classes, and... You scheduled your classes for that, like, semester. Mm-hmm. And so we both went to the same store, and they put you in, like, the library, and that's where you go to schedule all your classes, and they put us all in there, like, cattle, basically. Like, there's probably, like, close to 200 students, and they just cram us all in the library. Mm-hmm. And they're like, wait here, and we're going to call you back to schedule classes. But there's really only, like, 20 like faculty scheduling classes so you're in there forever well I already had my major declared and so like I went with a specific faculty member and I was one of the first people called back to schedule my classes um which was really nice and easy and stuff but when I met Jeremy was right before then we were all sitting at these tables and there was like literally one seat left. He was one of the last people to walk in. And there was like one seat left and it was right next to me. And he like walked over and he's like, can I sit here? And like, you already kind of alluded to it. Jeremy doesn't really talk. Mm-hmm. That and right so, there, like that right yep. there is more words than I've ever. Yeah. And heard. that's probably the most words he said all day. Okay. And so I like looked around and like clearly there were no other seats available. <laughs> and so me being the person I am was like, no, you can't sit here. Mm-hmm. And he just looks at me and he goes, well, too bad. And he sat down anyways. And I was like, well, all right, that's okay, cool. And then me being my amazing human being self realized very quickly that he was a very, very big introvert. And so I was very bored because I didn't live far from Anderson and I'd already been there numerous times. So I was like, I'm going to make this poor kid miserable. Mm-hmm. So I just kept talking to him and talking to him and talking to him, and he did not talk back to me. And then I, I just, like, I was not a nice human to him at all, really. So then 
sort ended, and I was, like, bragging to my mom how I made this poor introverted kid miserable. Mm-hmm. And she's like, that's not nice, Rebecca. And I was like, well, I did it. Never probably going to see him again, so it's fine, because I thought AU was this huge campus. Not the case. No. Um, so she was like, well, what was his name? And I was like, well, his folder said it was Jeremy Keith. And she goes, great, find him on Facebook. And so I did, and she made me send him an apology over Facebook. So that leads me to two questions. First off, <coughs> is that the origin of how you uh, became like a Facebook stalker? And then number two, <laughs> did like Jeremy like try to start a, like spark, start conversation while you guys were like in orientation? No. He wasn't like power drive or anything like that. Like, no. Started like whisper like wrestling moves. Like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I really didn't know about the wrestling until I married him. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. Like I didn't know how really far into the family that went until I got married. <laughs> they keep that hidden for a pretty long time. <laughs> yeah. Like after we got married, it was like some clause in our marriage that. <laughs> I was subject to these wrestling moves no matter what. Okay. Um, I love it. No, I would, like, talk to him. I'd be like, so where are you from? Yeah. And he'd be like, Ohio. And I was like... Yeah, we're closed off. Cool. Um, What do you do? Mm. And I'm like, oh. Amateur wrestling. Wow, this is going real far, real quick. So then it was more of a game to see... One, how uncomfortable I could make him, and two, how much I could actually get out of him. Okay, gotcha. So, uh, you guys both obviously continued on with your careers at, at AU. Mm-hmm. What did you major in? Music education. That is interesting. Yeah. So, what made you want to do music education? Um, well, so music was one of those things to me growing up. So, I started piano really young. I think my parents started me piano when I was five. And I just kind of did that as I went through school. And then in sixth grade, when we got to start band, I did flute. And it was honestly, like, one of those things that I just, like, picked up and was easy for me. Mm. And so, one, it was easy. So I wasn't, like, I was like, I can just fly through this. I can just do this forever. Um, But, like, music, kind of like I'm sure you know, is it's a very unique way to be able to like let out frustration and anger and like it's a very soothing way to do it or at least it was for me Mm -hmm. and so like it was just like one thing that I could use to like express my feelings and emotions that really no one else could do and it like no one else really would understand because like I can vent and cuss and do all this stuff all the time but like people would understand what I was saying and hear me and then Mm -hmm. music it's just kind of your own language and what instruments did you play? Well, my primary in college was flute. So, you, like, when you get real jazzed up and real upset with the world. I would go upstairs and play flute. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I would probably pay money to see that. That'd be interesting. To see me play? <clears throat> no, to see you frustrated and, like, like go to your flute and you're like, oh, oh it's man. been a hard day, Mom. And, like, you go and. I would. Yeah. I would go upstairs for, like, hours. Ron Burgundy, flute it. Not quite. Flute it up. But, but for I hours, would, I would play. Really? Mm-hmm. That would be... In- so, like, uh, with the, the music ability, like, do you do you get uncomfortable in front, like, playing music in front of people? I struggle with, like, perfectionism 
especially in things that I think I'm good at or things that I've been told I'm really good at or gifted in. And so I didn't like to fail at music. And so if I never played in front of someone else, I never failed in my eyes. If that makes any sense. Yeah, that's, that's really sad and depressing. I know. Oh, my God. Um, but it doesn't mean I didn't play. Like You'd be like Jimi Hendrix of the flute, and nobody would know. Yeah. I mean, I think it frustrated the world some people. of your flute ability, <laughs> Rebecca, and yeah. I will not stand for it anymore. <laughs> the world needs more flute in... No. You hear me, Josie? Yes. Yeah, she hears me. She said, yeah. <laughs> more flute. More flute. <laughs> we could take that up, Caleb. Yeah. You can learn flute. I don't want to learn flute. <laughs> I can barely do guitar. I don't want It's not true. So I feel like if it wasn't a degree for you, I wonder what that would be like for you, like uh, playing in front of people. Because I know for me, I never wanted to play in front of, like, family. I would rather – I didn't really want to play in front of other people either because, like, going through high school – for musicians, I mean, really for most people that I think dabble in the arts, that's probably a weird way to say that, but, like, people that are, like, very, um, you know, creative, I guess, with, like, or just uh, artistic, like, I think it is a venting process, but for me, when I was going through high school, I always felt, like, um, I don't know, scared, maybe, to play in front of people, because, like, yeah. people are, like... Especially in high school, they're not just because you're uh, receptive of the arts does not mean the mass, you know, yeah. population is is real. like oh yeah that's cool I get it it's okay if you mess up like no like you people make fun of you and then just like kind of shame you into not right. playing in front of people so I was always scared of playing uh, in front of like people in general but also like my family I think that was the worst for me which a lot of people tell me like oh no playing in front of family was easier for me because it was just like more comfortable with them but I think for me anyway it was like uh, when it came to family I wanted the you know perfection like I wanted the best of the best I wanted yeah. them to be able to hear like the best uh, version of whatever I was doing and so I don't know if it was like that for you no it definitely was I never practiced so my parents like I grew up in a two story house I never practiced on the first floor of my house because I never wanted them to I act like it was like I they couldn't hear me upstairs. Like there was a floor vent that went straight well, down to the living room. The <laughs> yeah, like they definitely heard me. I'm practicing out in the camper. Who knows? But <laughs> to yeah. put your parents in front like we've been looking for Rebecca for five hours. Yeah. <laughs> we put out an amber alert. <laughs> She's been in the attic for five hours. <laughs> I mean, I don't know why. I guess, like, thinking about it now, it was so stupid. Like, they definitely could hear me. Like, it wasn't like they couldn't. I used to, uh, I used to play the bass guitar, um, like, after I learned, <coughs> so violin was, like, my first instrument, and then I went from that to the bass guitar, and, like, uh, I, I would play that until, like, two in the morning, but it was a, it was, like, a one-story house, and, like, the wall, you know, it's not like we were living in, like, soundproof walls. Yeah. And with a bass guitar, you're not going to be able to hear anything unless you have an amp. Right. And so, like, I would uh, play until, like, midnight, one in the morning, something like that. But, like, my amp would be, like, low. Yeah. But it's, like, everyone can hear it. Like, every now and again, my dad would be like, shut up. <laughs> like, I can hear you. I'm like, no, the amp's down. No, there's no way anybody can hear <laughs> with the amp. Like, yeah, like a moron. But, yeah, they're going to hear you. No, I get it. I would, it's called, like, silent practicing but like I would sit on my bed at 2am and I would like 
blow air into the flute, but not into the flute. So it was like slowly going, so you could hear at least the movement within the keys. So if anyone was listening, would you be like, Yep. Like that? Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody told me once, they're like, it will help you um, chord better if you play in the dark. Like if you just sit on your bed Hmm. in your room at night and play. So that I did that a couple times and I felt like a like a like a psycho. Like I, yeah. I felt insane. Like I don't blame you. Yeah, I felt like this is <laughs> cuz the whole time I was like, "Oh, this is what playing music would feel like if I fell into a cave with my guitar." And I that, and I could Or you were blind. Or if I was blind. Yeah. But I mean, like I imagine know, if someone would have turned on the light. You know, like in reality, I don't know why I don't know why I didn't go with the blind one first. <laughs> why I had to create you like fall in this yeah. cave. Yeah. <laughs> Like, I had a whole backstory. Like, I was driving in the highlands of Scotland, and I walked out because it was a beautiful thing. And I, and fell I was into like, you blind. But, yeah, if somebody turned on the light, that would, that would be even... I guess it wouldn't be too weird. Just be. A, a I guess weird. it depends on what you look like when you play guitar. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Hopefully it's not that weird. But what do you look like when you play the flute? Like you're kissing everyone all the time. Oh, yeah, because you don't... You actually don't put it, like, on the mouthpiece. It, like, blow over the yeah, mouthpiece, right? Yeah, it's right here. Right? And then you blow over. Yeah. Do you do anything else besides, uh, like, flute? Do you dabble in any of the stringed instruments? Not really. I mean, being a music ed major, you have to take what are called, like, your tech classes because you're graduating to teach music. So you have to be able to have a basic understanding of each instrument. So I was able, and, like, I am grateful for the opportunity, but, like, I do know enough about each of the instruments to, like, maybe play a major scale on all of them. That's if I can still do it. But, like, string instruments weren't, like, the best for me. It was really hard for me to play those. Um, I have smaller hands, and so it, I didn't, I couldn't wrap around properly. Like, it was just weird. And so um, definitely, like, any woodwind instrument I can play for the most part. Um, brass instruments, no go for me. Really? Yeah. Trombone was really hard for me. My arms are really short. And so oh, I couldn't seven, get all the way like out. The yeah. seventh extension thing on that. Yeah. I was like, how do people do that? Like, I have seen, uh, they make like a, mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about, whatever that is. It looks like one of those little pocket it's back like scratchers. like an adapter, basically. And yeah. you hold it and it like, because I don't know how, yeah, to get out to yeah. the, that's it. It goes to seven, right? There's like seven mm-hmm. slides for it. I don't get it. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely hard. And like, I, like, flute is hard to play and learn, but, like, for the most, like, I don't want to downplay it, but, like, for the most part, if you push down the right thing and blow at the right speed, like, you're going to make a pitch. But, like, a trombone, like, you got to make sure that slide is, like, in the right place, and there's not numbers on those slides. Yeah. Like, you got to, like, fifth fifth slot, like, okay, let's, it's somewhere between here and here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so... Yeah. Well, same thing, like, so violin is, is similar to that. Mm-hmm. If you don't tape off the areas, or, like, upright bass, if you don't tape off the areas of where the actual, yeah. like, frets, ideal of where the frets would be, you just, you just guess yeah. it, really, so... So thank God for auto-tape, right? Am I right, thank T-Pain? Am I right, yeah. T-Pain? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's terrible. Do you even listen to T-Pain? <laughs> you do? Not enough to be like, oh, I got this song on repeat in my car. Uh, well, I mean, I don't either, but I know I, I've listened to enough to know he he likes his auto-tune. auto-tune. Which is weird because he can sing uh, 
fine without auto tune. Yeah. Yeah, we're best friends. We hang out all the time. Oh, I know. really? He sings at all my bottom. Yeah, you know his coffee order. Yeah, it's Kyle. He takes the that's his real name, and he takes pumpkin spice when it's fall. Mm. Outside of uh, fall, it's London London Fog Latte, which is just like a Earl Grey type tea with usually vanilla like extract and then some whipped cream. I'm very impressed at how confident that fake order was. <coughs> yeah, it's pretty good though. You yeah. should get that at Starbucks. Very good. Okay. So, <coughs> why, like, wh- why was there not like a focus after, after college, I guess, to want to like go teach music with with going into that major of music education? I still would love to teach music. Like, that's not a dead end trail for me, which is okay. kind of why I finished my degree. The only part of my degree that I didn't finish was my student teaching. Um, okay. So I technically switched my major my senior year of college just to a liberal arts degree with a concentration in music education, which means I fulfilled all the requirements of a music educator. I just did not do the semester of student teaching. Interesting. So yeah. if I wanted to be a music teacher, I would have to do a semester of student teaching and pass my core tests. Probably the biggest switch for me, though, um, and why I changed my major was, so in the summers of college, I worked at a church camp that I attended when I was a kid, and it's through Lutheran Outdoor Ministries, Um, and in that camp, I got to just spend time with kids and teaching them about Jesus and letting them grow and watching them grow in their relationship. And a lot of summers, I got to see the same kids over and over again. And so because of that, I formed this relationship with them. And, like, that experience and that time that I got to spend with them was way more influential in my life than any music class I took, any music performance I did, anything I did music-wise. Like, it blew it out of the water. And so I was like, maybe I'm just not in the right calling. And that's why I thought, like, that's really what made me realize that I think I was in music school because I always thought that was the only thing I was good at. Mm-hmm. And, like, that was the one thing that I could always count on because it was dependent upon me. And a sense ministry is a very, like, it's not a very, like, job secure thing. And what ministry? What do you say? Like, just ministry in general. Oh, yeah. Right. Like, there's, like, there's job security in it, but there's not a ton. Like, churches close mm-hmm. all the time. People can stop coming to churches. Like, yeah. I think about that a lot. Like, actually. it's just not, like, it's, I don't know. Especially I, in this, like, uh, like this, I don't, I, you can't say it's post, like this, just this uh, COVID world we live yeah. in now. Because it's really not post, it's not over. It's no. Just, it's just continued. And yeah. so, I think about that all the time. Like, what would, you know, like, what do you do? Yeah. You know. So, I think that I never really considered ministry, like, a job until I was getting close to like having to figure out what my job was going to be. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that I think I would rather do that and spend my time doing that. And that gave me more joy than music school ever did. Wow. But because I like playing flute and I like playing music and I still do it, but I lost my joy in college for it. So. Gotcha. Well, yeah. That's a, kind of a bummer to hear that, but yeah. I mean, there is kind of a, like a a nice reaction to that as well. Being yeah. in the jar. And how long have you been here now? Um, I started working at the jar and attending at the same time. 
Um, and that was in May of 2018. So oh, wow. three so years. So you're like just a couple months before before mm-hmm. I was. So how did that come to be? How did you hear about the jar? How did you come to the jar? And I assume you were still going to, or were you finishing up? Did you already finish up college? I was getting ready to graduate. So I think I started the interview process here and application process in January <coughs> of 2018. Um, and it, honestly, like as bad as it sounds, it started from like a frantic like Google search, like what am I going to do when I graduate? Like is there even a job nearby? Like am I mm-hmm. crazy? Did I switch my major and now I'm not going to graduate with a job? Like, so really it was like a frantic Google search, and the first time I searched, like, children's ministry jobs, uh, the jar came up, but I'm not going to lie, I kind of thought it was a joke. Like, what, what church calls themselves the jar? Like, right. I was like, it's not real. It's not a real church. Mm-hmm. And so I um, kind of blew it off. Like, I really blew it off. Yeah. And then... I just, like, kept searching because there wasn't much. You laugh about it now, but by the time I'm 40, I'm going to start a church called McNuggets, and I would be we'll there. see what happens. You need see? children's ministry. If you build Later, it, I'll they will there. come. Yeah. If you build it, they will come, That's Rebecca. True. All right, so anyway, you thought it was a joke, but... I kept searching, and the closest I could find was Indy, and none of those churches really were, like, eh, like what I wanted. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I guess I'll take a look at this and so I applied and I came and it like fit right in with what I was looking for in a job but also what I was looking for in a church and Jeremy felt comfortable which is a huge deal for me because I mean I don't want to go to church alone so I need one my husband would be on board with or my future husband we weren't married at the time um and so it was a place that we both felt comfortable and I felt like I could see a future um, I did a phone interview with Chris, and then, like, two weeks went by, probably because they had all these other amazing people that they had to do phone interviews with. Man, that, a phone interview, that has to be kind of weird, right? Yeah. I mean, I think it was really more to make sure I wasn't a crazy person. Yeah. Like, I was actually who my resume said I was. Yeah. That Because, um, like, it also didn't last very long. It was, like, 30 minutes on the phone. And, like, it was really chill. Like, I definitely stressed more than I should have for it. And then I came for my first interview, and uh, they did not warn me about any part of the interview process. And so I walked in, and it was in this room. And I walked in. This uh one? Okay. And I walked in, and there were, like, six other people in here with me. What? And it was a panel-style interview. Oh, I thought you meant six other people, like, interviewing for the job. (laughs) I thought they were, because I walked in, and I was like, oh! having a party so like uh, in because of my background as acting sometimes i'll do that for like auditions they'll bring people in with the other people that are auditioning for like that role and they're like all right select your name and do your performance <laughs> like in front of everyone so i thought that's what you were saying they brought you in. okay so you come in though panel style so six people what, i think it happens? was six yeah it was a lot they yeah. literally went around the table and like it like Red Robin asked me questions, mm, yeah. like all around Round the table. Robin. Yeah, not Red yeah. Robin. Yeah, like they, they gave me fries. <laughs> Yum. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, so they were just asking you. Yeah, it was rough. It was it was a lot, and then I didn't hear again for another like two weeks, and then I came back for another interview, I think, 
and then they had me attend to the jar to make sure it was a like a fit for me and then they had me go into jar kids for a celebration and actually teach in jar kids i did that and then i think i had two more sit downs with everyone and then i finally got the call about the job yeah. the week of my wedding well, oh really mm -hmm. wow yeah well with, i mean i bet that was exciting though yeah. Like, knowing you have a job. Yeah. It was definitely reassuring because Jeremy didn't have a job yet, and so, like, we were oh, literally going to get married, and neither one of us had a job. But we hadn't graduated wow. yet either, so it yeah. wasn't. That's Yeah, that's, like, horrifying. Yeah. It's like, really, really scary. It's like, oh, we're about to start our lives. It's a new yeah. adventure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, it was... McDonald's. I know. Well, I'm pretty sure I sent Chris an email, and I was like, dude, you got to tell me if I have this job or not, because if not, i got to move on. Like, <laughs> it's like the same thing. I was so stressed. It's like the same thing Emily said as well. I was like, I yeah. can't do this anymore. Like, you just got to tell me. Like, wow. I'm tired of interviewing. And he's like, oh... Rebecca, just five more months. Just yeah, I was like, <laughs> I'm sorry, dude, I'm out. Like just five, five more months. That's awesome. Um, oh, I was going to say, I lost my train of thought. Well, oh, yeah, now I know what I was saying. It probably makes sense, though. I mean, that it, it is kind of an extensive thing, because now that I'm thinking of that, I mean, your position, you can't have just anyone do what you do, be around, like, kids, and, I mean, like, emotional intelligence, and also just... Making sure you're not a nut job, I mean, is probably important yeah. as well. But you're not a nut job, so it doesn't matter. Well, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that's very nice of you. <laughs> like a good, a good one, a good nut job. You know, yeah. Not, not I mean, you have to be a little bit of a nut job to work with kids. Yeah. Like, if I'm being honest. Yeah. I remember one time as a kid, I was trying to plead with my dad. Um, oh, it was something. I was like in the bathtub or something like that, and he was asking me to do something. Um, uh, it was like something, and I did like I did what he said. I, he was like he was telling me to do something, and I did it. But he he like walked away, and I you know he comes back and he's like, "Did you do it?" And I'm like, "Yes, I did." And he didn't believe me, and um, I was like, "Dad, if I died right now and went to heaven, and you died as well, you would know that if you asked God and He told like I, it was like some sort of weird broken thing. I don't know why I remember this. It was only last week, but yeah." Uh, <laughs> Like when I was like six or something, but it's like if you ask God, He would tell you the truth. I did it, you know. And I just remember that that was like my the way I rational like rationalize things. Like if we both die right now, you could ask God, and He would He would figure it out. So I don't know if that's a good or, or a bad thing, but or why I even shared that with you. That's me. good. You had a good relationship with God. You knew He had your back. Like, <laughs> <laughs> even if you didn't do it, you knew yeah. He'd cover for you. I did do it though. I did it. Yeah, I, I did it. So you uh you you started at the jar <laughs> you started the jar 2018 where uh like when did it like hit you um where things kind of like felt normal like uh, okay I, now this is my routine does that make sense what I'm saying like you're done with college and now now you're adulting and this is like your normal routine does that make sense Yeah I don't think. I think maybe I'm still not there because <laughs> mm -hmm. I feel like every time I'm like halfway to like my normal, I get another like wrench thrown in my plans because like, so I graduated and I got married and I started a job all within three weeks of each other. And so like there was never like none of that was normal. Yeah. So then I, right as I thought I was getting to my normal and my routine and my schedule, I got pregnant with William 
so then that's a new wrench. So then my whole schedule, my whole life changed. Right as I thought I was getting back on track, I got pregnant again, and I had Marshall. So, like, now I'm like, oh, yes, I'm going to be normal, and I'm going to get back on my normal track. And you know what that I'm, means. Nope, not pregnant right now. No, for three. Don't worry, Mom. Um, well, <coughs> yeah. yeah. But, I mean... I do want another baby, so well, hint, hint, Jeremy. One more Batista bomb, <laughs> one more Batista bomb away yeah. from the third one. Yeah. <laughs> well, what do you say? What do you say? <laughs> That's too weird. Josie will cut it out. So whatever. Who cares? <laughs> The motto I live by. But being, being here at the jar, yeah. uh, do you feel like there have been, like, I mean, outside of the, always the, the change up of pace, I guess, but, like, what do you struggle, like, do you struggle with anything, like, being someone that not only goes to church, that is a part of the the faith life, but also that works in the church? Like, do you struggle with anything with that? Probably that was a weird way to ask that. No, you're fine. Probably the thing I struggle with the most working in a church is having my own time for my faith life. Like, I know that sounds kind of goofy yeah. because, like, we, we do our faith every day. Like, we work in our faith. <coughs> right. And so, like, you would think that that's, like, all I do. Like, I, it blows people my, blows people's minds when I'm like, yeah, my job is 40 hours a week. Like, I have a full-time job at a church. And they're like, well, what do you do for 40 hours? Do you just pray for 40 hours? And I'm like, that would make my job a whole lot easier if that's all I had to do. Mm -hmm. But I don't, like, I struggle a lot with finding time for my own personal growth and my own faith. Mm -hmm. And, like, it is so hard for me to be able to sit down on a Sunday at church. Like, I feel like I never get to go to church to be at church. Because even when we do get to sit down for celebrations, there's always someone that's like, hey, um, I know you work here. Do you know where a pin is? Mm -hmm. And so then you have to go get that pin. Like, you're never at church to be at church and to be able to be receptive to church. And when I'm at church, I'm like, well, do they need me? Uh, I just saw this kid walk up. Are they new? Do they they want to meet me? Like, so... That's probably the hardest struggle I have is, like, being able to grow in my own faith and, like, being able to feed and foster my own faith Yeah. working at a church. Yeah. No, I, I agree. It's and hard. I think there's, like, probably a, a smaller amount of people that actually get that. Yeah. Like, if you work in a church or, like, you're a spouse or a partner or someone that works in a church, I think you get it. But <clears throat> it's a weird it's a weird kind of concept to explain. It's like... Yeah, like for, like for me, like I felt like my relationship uh, with God or like my own spirituality was just like a little bit more raw and maybe even like innocent might be a good word just because I didn't, I wasn't doing the logistics part of church. I was just, that was just where I would go to fellowship and worship. Yeah. And then during my week, I didn't have to worry about the logistics at all. I just, you know, I would do my job at a time before I was working here and then... Yeah. And then the the spiritual aspect just was was happening, excuse me, throughout. But yeah, I feel like that's the <clears throat> that's one of the biggest struggles uh, I would say, even for me, is like working in a church. It's like you have to really work hard to maintain that because 
similar to what you just said. I think most people would expect that, oh, you don't, you know, worship on Sunday. You know, you, like, and for me, I'm playing the song. Yeah. But what's going, you know, what I have to struggle with not doing is, like, thinking about, like, okay, this is, we're getting ready to change to the next verse where, oh, these yeah. lights are this way, they need to be that way. Oh, the doors need to be like this, and th- these people are doing that. That person's over here. I need to watch this. Yeah. Oh, I need to go cue this person really quick, you know. And so it's hard to just, like, uh, like let go and let God. Yeah. Which, you know, it's cliche. hard to not – it's hard to experience the impactfulness of church mm-hmm. because I'm so, like, wrapped up in – like you said, the logistics of church. Right. Like we're not like there's gonna be moments where it's like I'm I'm like I like my like my flame's a little low right now because yeah. like we're not only um, like staff members in a church. Mm-hmm. We're not only Christians, but we're like people in the world. Yeah. You know, we're not like necessarily living of the world, but we live in the world. Right. And so, just like everybody else, uh, but we also happen to be this like Christians we also happen to be this which is like working in a church yeah. or w- just working in ministry because there are people that don't work in a church but they like run a ministry or work in a ministry yeah. or are part of a ministry that deal with the same thing but I remind myself of that like okay other people do the same thing and like you know Christians in this world like they don't have not, not every day is sunshine and rainbows it's quite the opposite and yeah. so I have to remind myself like <clears throat> I think Billy Grant like not to be all over the place, but I think Billy Graham put it in perspective, and it always has helped me. It's like he said, when you when you decide to uh, accept Jesus, when you decide to become a Christian, the whole world is flowing this way, um, you know, kind of like a river. Yeah. And then you make the decision uh, to follow Christ and accept Jesus, you're going that way. And so everything is against you. Everything is pushing you the other way, and it is way easier to just let go and let that river take you and just go with the flow. Yeah. It's a lot easier. A lot easier to do that. But I think it's really hard to fill up our cups. <clears throat> like yeah. on our like when we're working all the time. And like mm-hmm. I mean I'm sure you experience it too. Like I work forty hours a week on paper. Mm-hmm. But really my job is it's more than that. Sixty to seventy hours a week in reality. And so I feel like I we pour out of our cups more than we pour into them a lot of the time. Yeah. And it's hard to remember that we need to fill them up completely and hard to find that time so yeah no absolutely yeah like like for me uh you know worship music was such a big part of like my experience before and that's that's been kind of a a weird thing that I, i i've been figuring out like the relationship between me and worship music like when i'm not playing it because yeah i do that every sunday and so how do i how do I still experience worship in that innocent, raw kind of mm. way like I did before I was doing it every Sunday? And so, yeah, yeah it's just a, but I, I I have hope because there's like, there there is no perfect way to do anything. And so, right. like, you just got to do the best you can and move on. Yeah. Get enough to move on as uh what is his name? Craig, Craig Groeschel. Well, you say it like that. You're not a, you're not a Craigster. You're not a Groeschelster. Whatever. I mean, I don't actively listen to his podcast I don't but I do like his talks yeah especially when I hear him I mean he makes you think so okay so you're a Craigster Craigster I mean I don't have a shirt that says like I heart GC <coughs> do they make those CG I don't know I'm well, sure we could I'm sure we'd make a lot Chris. of money yeah 
Chris would be the first buyer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he'd buy one for the whole staff. Like, wow, That's our Christmas gift this yeah, year. Seven purchases already. <laughs> this has only been out one day. The first 25 minutes, seven purchases. <laughs> to Muncie, Indiana. Yeah, to, to Muncie, Indiana. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh, just for clarity, Chris is a Craig Grove Shell fan. Oh, yes. Yeah. Just if you did not know that. I worked well, on I, his I, computer today, and he had like six Craig Grove Shell podcasts pulled up. Really? <laughs> yes. Six of them? Like there were like six tabs open, and they were all Life Church and Craig Rochelle. Oh, that's interesting. He really is a Craigster. No, he's a all the way. Yeah. Craigster. But do you have anyone like that? Do you have any like uh, like mega pa- mega church pastors that you're like, oh, that's my jam? Not really. I like Sadie Robinson Huff. The Duck Dynasty's mm-hmm. daughter. The yeah. All I of have. their collective daughter. <laughs> what is what is the Willie. He's yeah. a, she's Willie's daughter. I you I really like her, and I think she's really relatable. I have a lot of her books, and I listen to her podcast. How is she relatable? Well, she's a girl. Um, no, she's our age, and now she has a child. And yeah. so she talks a lot about the struggles of being a mom and how that has pulled away, too, from yeah. um, her time that she gets to invest in her work and her right. faith and everything. And so... She's even more relatable to me now, but she just really lives a life of authenticity, and that's something I want to strive for. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very blunt, but I struggle with being authentic sometimes. Which, really? Yeah, which is very odd, um, and I think people think that I'm very authentic, and people mm-hmm. get that impression from me, but there's a lot of me that I don't share, and that comes from lack of trusting people. And like strangers, but that just comes from my personal upbringing. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I want to be fully authentic, and I'm I'm not there yet. Do you have like a scale? Like oh, I'm like seven out of ten with this person, or like I'm eight. Yeah. Out of, where are we at? Me and you. Yeah. <laughs> you want my honest answer? Like a six out of ten. On my trust scale. Yeah. Well, well, authentic, like authentic scale. Like, how authentic do you think you are, are with you with with me? Probably four out of ten. Mm-hmm. No way. Yeah. Is it because like you're scared to send those TikToks? Like you accidentally sent one. Like you're. No, that was probably like that alone no. was very authentic of me. Yeah. No, I know. But that like that is not who you see day to day. You yeah. can take iron tablets. I think that's supposed to help. Well, so. I took those when I was pregnant. Yeah, we talked about that because. Uh, Make yeah. poop, right? Yep. Well, it stops you from pooping. Oh, that's right. That's right. you got to take a stool softener with it. Yeah, man. Yeah, some good yeah. old coal ace. That would be bad. It wasn't that too would... bad. No? No. There was one time, though, in college. Are you one of those weirdos that won't poop, like you poop once a week or something? Oh, no, I love pooping. Like how many times a day? Or you, I you probably poop close to three times, maybe Same. more a day. I feel like that's good. Yeah. I don't, I don't feel like it's bad. I think it is so relaxing. Like uh, that sounds so bad. Like there, yep, there is. I don't know. Like uh, you're releasing all of these toxins out of your body. (laughs) It's it's like this is great. Josie's sitting over there, like, oh my god, what? How how much of this do I need to cut? How much of this do I need to cut right now? But it really is. You do this every time, Caleb. (laughs) Well, so I will say, a poop story. There. Yeah, bring it. Um, well, in college, my roommate would kill me. But she... Ah, she won't kill you. Tell us. Actually, she won't kill me because it's all about me. She just kind of had to help me through my addiction. Um, 
So I don't know where I got this, but I found a fiber one bar. <laughs> and it was like oats and chocolate flavored. Uh-huh. And I ate it and I was like, oh my gosh. Like it never crossed my mind what fiber was good for. Yeah. But I was like, yeah. this is the world's best granola bar. It tastes great. I have never had a granola bar taste this good. Mm-hmm. Like it was life changing. So I went to the store and I bought a value pack of fiber one bars. Yeah. And I ate a whole box of 18 fiber one bars yeah. in less than 24 hours. Oh. Yeah. Oh. And so that night I was like, my roommate and I were talking, and I was like, I have to go. And so I like sprinted out of our dorm room down the hall, and I went to the bathroom, and I kid you not, it was probably the world's worst attack I've ever had. Like, Like this is going to be me being very authentic with you. I like, I was very fortunate to even. Make it in the stall. <laughs> like, it was bad. And it just, like, I have never experienced anything like that. Are you, well, hold on. Are you someone that, like, puts toilet paper on the toilet seat before you go? No. Okay. No. So it wasn't like, oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> no, because, and you're, like, actually, it down it's my quick. brother-in-law's favorite story. But, like, I went to go, and, like, I, like, sat down, but, like, yeah. Niagara Falls started flowing before I made it down. So it was like <laughs> it was everywhere. Mid sip. It was it was on the walls. No. Yes. No. I sit down. Wait so a minute. I sit down and then I like when I well I didn't know at the time but then I got done. Oh my god. I, <laughs> oh my gosh! Excuse me. Wow. I turned around to flush and I like looked at the wall and I was like, Whoa. what have I done? <laughs> like, it was so bad. It was awful. <laughs> I'm like I left like I well I cleaned up but I, I, like, I would you or would you just leave it You're like oh, I gotta get, I gotta get like murdering I, a, yeah I don't like know a dead body I gotta bad. get out of here yeah and okay. so like I like ran back to our dorm room and I was like the, the other bad part there was someone else in the bathroom oh so they heard all that uh huh and like shotgun in, blast yep. after shotgun blast <laughs> yep. it was bad and I like so they were in there her. before you yeah and after still uh huh so pr- they were probably they lay- were probably also going they were for probably it. laying down the law as well yeah or yeah. on their phone who knows but yeah and then I just like went back to my dorm room and I was like Nicole like I messed up the whole bathroom like I probably wouldn't go back there if I were you, like, I would go up to first floor if I were you and go to the bathroom. <laughs> At least until the janitors come next morning. Like, on the toilet and everything? Yeah, like, wow. up against the little handle thing. What would you have done if you were out of, like, paper? Well, thankfully, there was someone in the stall next to me. You would be like, help a help sister out. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. How far up the wall? Like uh, Just to the little... Handle thingy, like it was on oh, that's the. Not too bad. In my mind. No, but I you mean, you were going it was, to sit down. It was like. You know, like <laughs> well, not like all the way up the wall. I mean, it was definitely like at least a foot of wall that I had to clean off. <laughs> and that included the back of the toilet. Like we had, had to clean the back of the toilet and then the wall. Oh my god. That's yeah, awesome. it was bad. Wow. It was. Yeah, and then I guess I didn't even like register in my mind because I ate more. <laughs> How much more? Like you went back and like bu- I had a whole other like, bag. Like oh, I feel depleted. I need to go buy another value <laughs> yeah. pack. No, I had two. I bought two of them, so I ate some more. And then the same thing happened, but not as dramatic, like drastic, because yeah, I didn't eat a whole there. box. And I like went back and I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. 
like, my stomach hurts so bad, oh, I can't stop pooping. Better eat another fiber bar. <laughs> and she, like, looks at me, she goes, well, what are you eating? And I was like, well, just these granola bars. And she's like, Rebecca, you're an idiot. And then she had to hide the granola bars, or the fiber one bars. Wow. In our room, and I had to, like, ask my roommate permission to get a fiber one bar. It was pretty embarrassing. What? No. What? That's, that's gold. Yeah. But that's she, amazing. she was a good roommate. We had a pizza in our room for a semester, not a semester, a year, to see if it would dissolve and decompose. From where? Papa John's. Did it? A little bit, not really. Did you try it? Yeah. No, I didn't eat it. Why? Because it had mold all over it. Well, I thought you said it didn't really decompose. Well, we were trying to make it disappear. Mm. What? I have a video of it if you want to see it. Well, no, no. Like you thought... You thought, like, it would just evaporate? Yeah. We thought that it would completely decompose and disappear. Like, it would just, like, erode. We had it for a year. We got it the first week of the semester, and we hid it in our room Yeah. all year. And when we went to leave that at the end of the year, it was... There was, like, a small little, like, half-inch thick line of the pizza that was gone. In theory, we probably should have sprayed it with water every now and then and made it moist so that it would have... Completely disappeared. I don't know why, but that made me think about the story that I want to share with you. So after I graduated high school, I I did, like, maintenance, and I worked the grounds of the high school I graduated from. So I started doing that on the summer, and then they hired for a brief time. I was doing that, like, um, I I think it was, like, all part-time, but I was only doing it for the summer. And then they hired me on throughout the school year to just, like, maintain, like, the fence posts and stuff, paint rooms and stuff like that. So... There, like during the summers, uh, I I just started. Uh, I already knew the classrooms because I went to high school there. But it's like I learned where everything was inside and out, and knowing all the teachers and everything. And so um, I would <laughs> every now and again. Um, there were so there were as best as best as tiles is what they called them. And mm-hmm. basically, when the whole asbestos thing happened, like they had to remove a lot of stuff, but they still had the tiling under the carpet. So basically, at the high school, there was carpet everywhere, and under that carpet is tile. Right. Um, but there's certain classrooms that still have the tile, and um, there were certain areas where their like tile would come up. And so what I would do is every now and again I would write notes and I would put it under the tile, like I would write the year and I would write stuff like help me <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> I would put like the year and I was like. Um, but I'd put stuff like, hey, you found me, help me, and then I'd put the year on there, and sometimes I'd make up, like, a year, like, 1997 or something, and then I'd put it under there and just see what happens, I, you know. But th- but I would never know what happens. Yeah, because it's not like you were, like, Texas number to help me. Yeah. Well, no, why would I do that? That'd be weird. Well, but, yeah. Yeah. Especially if it was, you know, 1997. Yeah. Or 1987. Well, you would have been, like, two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or two or three at that time. I yeah. don't know. Yeah, yeah, but no, I, I think about that just because I feel like that would probably age well, or yeah, age well with time. Yeah, probably. Yeah, who knows? Before we wrap it out, something that we like to do is uh, we like to talk about like a, a verse that's near and dear mm-hmm. to to your heart. It could be a verse that's like your life verse. It could be a verse for your year. It could be a verse for the month, the week, or maybe maybe even just today. So do you yeah. got you got one for us, Rebecca? Yeah. So. I'll do my verse for the year, which will probably become my verse for life, just because, like, it's really resonated with me. Before this year, my life verse was always Jeremiah 29, 11. 
Um, pretty generic verse that everyone seems to pick. Um, but this year, my word was paused because, as we kind of talked about, like, I find it really hard to find space in my life to do things um, outside of work. And so, like, I was wanted to pause and find time to spend with God and find time to just, like, grow. And so the verse, though, that I came across was Exodus 14.14. 14. Um, and I don't really spend a lot of time in Exodus, so I had never heard this verse before. But it was really fitting, and it says basically that um, God will fight for you as long as you remain still. And so I was just kind of like, wow, like I don't have to like worry about everything. Like God has so many like strengths that I don't have, and he can fight so many more of my battles than I ever can. I just need to like pause and be still sometimes and let him kind of take over for me. And just let God do God. Yeah. So that's probably my verse right now. Well, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing um, all of the pieces <laughs> and, um, yeah, diarrhea areas of your life. Yeah. Now you're more at like a five. <coughs> yeah. After I, that story. I felt like that was probably just a, at least a step. Yeah. Um, you are now a four. So thank oh, you. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, thank you so much. And always, I guess, remember not to eat a value pack of fiber one bars. Yeah. If you so. could take anything away from this. Yeah, we're going to get T-shirts made and everything. Yeah. So. All right. Well, thank you so much. Appreciate it.